Welcome to episode 183. Have you been doing a bit of your own research and are feeling like you might have issues with your thyroid? It might show up from perpetual weight loss attempts that didn't budge the number, having random aches and pains, having your body temperature bounce all over the place or always feeling hot or always feeling cold, or even your hair starting to thin or fall out, or even mental brain fog and plain old exhaustion. Thyroid issues are appearing everywhere in the world and leading to autoimmune issues like Hashimoto's as well. So if you're struggling to lose weight or you're thinking that the thyroid might be the next thing for you to look at in your health and healing journey, then go no further. Because on this episode, we cover what your thyroid hormones are, which tests to look for when you talk to the doctor, the issues communicating with your doctor about it. We also talk about low-carb diets and believe it or not, how it could support the thyroid and how calorie deficits have definitely not helped. Also, the role of stress and type A personalities and iodine, a useful healing nutrient in recovering your thyroid. This is a really great starting place for all of our thyroid or possible thyroid clients and patients out there. So, let's jump into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? Glad to have you back on another episode where we're going to go deep on the butterfly gland. But before we do that, in 2022, it's my mission to coach 300 people to get control of their emotional eating so they can lose weight and actually keep it off without counting calories or eating rabbit food, or smashing cardio for that matter. Believe it or not, it's totally possible and you can let go of obsessing over food, numbers and data and actually be at peace with food whilst allowing your body to find a healthy weight that you're happy with that restores your sense of self-confidence. In fact, we actually do that with women like every single day. Interesting though and topical is if you've been on a weight loss journey and you're one of those people that did all the right things and you're still struggling to shed the kilos or pounds that you want to, then there's a little known gland that could be influencing the entire situation without you even realizing. That being your thyroid gland, which is why I want to introduce you to Dr. Amy Horneman, aka the thyroid fixer. Amy is a woman on a mission to optimize thyroid patients around the world and give them their lives back and is the founder of the Institute for Thyroid and Hormone Optimization. After her own experience of insufferable symptoms, misdiagnoses and improper treatment, Dr. Amy set out to help others who she knew were going through the same set of frustrations and who were on the same medical roller coaster as she had once been, which I know if you're listening to this podcast, then you're either on that medical roller coaster and seeking answers, or you want to prevent ever being on a medical roller coaster. So let's sort that issue out like now. So welcome to the show, Amy. How are you doing? Hi, Maddie. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. We've uh, we've got a few mutual connections that have told us both to hang out. So here yes. we finally are. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Love it. So you're the thyroid fixer. I'm curious. We're in this world where there's obviously this proliferation of diseases left, right and center. And there's often a conversation which is, do you think that these diseases always existed or these problems always existed? Or do you think Western medicine has just allowed us to find these diseases that were always there? And being in the privileged Western world that we are in, um, I personally lean towards the, the fact that these diseases of civilization were very rare once upon a time. But when it comes to thyroid issues, where did this explosion of thyroid issues come from? Oh my gosh, amazing question. So first of all, with, with any thyroid problem, 90 to 95% of the time it's autoimmune. And mm-hmm. we have seen autoimmune disease skyrocket really in the last, I could say in the last 10 years, but it's probably been going on about 20, 30 years. And if we look at how we live in society, no matter where you live in the world, we are bombarded with toxins. Our stress has increased. Medication prescription band-aids have increased. Doctors are writing them left and right for anything that you walk in the office for, except for a a good thyroid. We'll get to that. (laughs) You know, our our food quality has gone down. Uh, There's so, so many factors that come into play as to what turns on that autoimmune disease, what tanks 
the thyroid. And so I agree with you 100%. It, it's our modern day society. It's our life. It's, it's things that have changed in our world that now we're seeing just an explosion of these disease states. Yeah, right. And toxins is often a big conversation that comes up with people that have been on these health journeys and they can't figure out what it is. They're like, they've looked at the food, you know, they've looked at their fitness, they've gone to the doctor and got normal bloods, which, you know, we obviously, in our mutual connection is Kylie, right? And Kylie's all about normal labs. Um, And so, how do people know? Like, how do, how do you identify whether you're in a, a toxic environment? Because a lot of the tests doctors are going to give you are not going to look for those kind of things. They're not going to look for those things. Yeah. And we, and we do use the term toxins a lot, obviously, in, in our conversation, in our space, we know what it is. But I think people mm-hmm. hear that and they go, what exactly is a toxin? And they're thinking it's like, you know, the poison spray that, that someone uses. Yeah. Well, okay, yeah, there's that. But there's also the plastic water bottle that you're using, the Tupperware that you're microwaving your food in. When you go, oh, you know what? I don't need organic vegetables. I don't need that grass-fed meat. So the food that you're eating that you think, hey, no big deal, the restaurant that you're stopping at, the oil that they're using, all of that, are that's all toxins. Those are all toxins and they can build up in your system. And just put a burden on your body so things don't work very well, especially the thyroid gland. It's very, very sensitive to pretty much everything. It's very sensitive to stress. It's very sensitive. If you decide to go on a crash diet and hit the gym three times a day because you really want to lose that weight and you're super frustrated, you're going to lower your thyroid function. Crazy fad diets, um, working long hours, not sleeping. I mean, all of those things impact the thyroid gland. So toxins very easily. I mean, a minimal exposure to toxin to toxins can start tanking the thyroid gland. And I think most people, like you said, they think when they think toxins, they think basically the stuff that's under the kitchen sink, maybe that's got some warning labels on it, or the stuff in the garage. Right. <laughs> you know, exactly. that, go, that goes in engines, but they're they're everywhere, right? They're in our food, on our food, um, in our homes. Like mold is a huge issue. Mm-hmm. That's a big issue, especially if you live in an older home. Well, even these days, the newer home constructions are so poorly done that we're totally. seeing mold pop up in new construction within the first six months to a year. It, it, I mean, it's insanity. So, yes, mold, even co-infections, hidden infections, viral infections. Many people have Epstein-Barr virus, and that's an mm. underlying infection that can trigger specifically Hashimoto's. It can trigger any autoimmune condition, but it really has a propensity to trigger Hashimoto's. I just had my EBV panel done literally like I'm, I'm the worst patient because I feel optimized. So I don't test a lot. And I just tested <laughs> myself last year. I went, Oh, look, there it is. And I, I don't remember having mono ever. I always say I was probably just really sick and my mom kept me home from school and oh, well, but it, yeah, at some point in time, I had mono because there's the Epstein-Barr virus. And I go, oh, well, there's that connection to the Hashimoto's that I have. So, mm-hmm. so many things, so many things. Yeah, I remember when I worked at the hospital, like EBV reactivation as a result of chemotherapy was huge. So many people have that lying dormant in their bodies. Yep, yep, it's, exactly. Yeah. It's crazy. That's, yeah, that's a driver. Yeah, you- that's that driver. Yeah, oh, totally. And, and speaking of that, um, I guess that medical environment, like I know that many people that go to the doctor, they might see a naturopath or they might see a functional, you know, sort of practitioner and get this direction. So we've obviously got your sort of more natural health professional that's looking at things more holistically, more uh, robustly, and they send that person to the doctor and say, hey, can you order some, you know, um, thyroid panels? And the doctor, especially here in Australia, usually pushes back and says, no, you don't need this. You don't need that. Um, And so then we've got obviously a situation where unsupportive doctors and then the the, the patients in this mindset issue where it's like, well, one medical professional is saying this, the other one's saying this, I can't actually get the data. And then we just kind of forget about it for a couple of years. Then they go on some more crash diets. They go on some more, you know, little regimes to try and fix their body. And we're just further down the rabbit hole. So, what is going on there? Why are doctors not cooperating when it comes to looking at people's thyroid? So a couple of answers. First of all, and, I, and I've heard this from a trusted source who was in medical school. She says, they're taught 
that if you do not know how to read a test and there isn't a Band-Aid pill for it, now I'm not talking thyroid hormone replacement that we actually use to optimize you. There's not one of those Band-Aid medications, like here's an antidepressant, here's a statin, here's a VP med, then you don't write for it. And then the other, my other rule, my my in general rule, so that's my answer to why they don't test. It's because Mm -hmm. they simply don't know. But my rule is if your doctor won't test, it's time to get a new doctor. Because if they don't want all of the info, if they don't want everything laid out in front of them so that they can see your entire picture of, of health and what's been going on through the years and, and what's causing this, and is this normal or is it optimal? Is it low normal? That's what I look at to really get that full picture of someone. I need every marker there is. I want everything. I don't mm-hmm. want half-baked labs. I want it all. So if your doctor isn't willing to order and it's no money out of their pocket, it is no skin off of their back. So if they're not willing to order the labs, do you really believe that they're going to know how to treat you as well? That's your first sign. That is your test of your doctor. Because by the way, you are allowed to test your own doctor. You're allowed to interview them too. They're they're not God. I'm just telling you, they're they're literally <laughs> God, just in case you didn't know that. So you can ask them questions too, and you can hold their feet to the fire. And that is their test to see if they're the right doctor for you. Yeah, I think that's that's great. It's, it should be a your your health with your doctor should be a two way conversation, not you know you sitting there like the helpless child being told what to do and just being like, oh okay, which makes me think of my nan. My nan thinks her doctor is basically God, and every time I see her, she's got more issues, and I know it's because of the advice her ancient doctor is giving her. <laughs> Absolutely, and that's what they were taught back then. You know, you like you you respect your doctor. It's like, and listen, you can have respect. Mad respect. They went through a lot of schooling. Okay, hats oh, off. Oh, for sure. But if they're not the right one for you, if maybe they are a little bit behind the times in in studies and research, and I mean, especially in the area that you were in, Maddie, I mean, you had to stay on top of that research. You can't even be six months behind. You have to mm. be six months ahead. So if your doctor isn't catching up with the latest research and what really is out there, it's time to go. I gave a talk to an, a group of integrative wellness physicians a few years ago and here at a mm-hmm. med school, LECOM. And, and I went over, okay, why do we do these tests to get the full picture of the thyroid and what they mean? And then I said, why are you guys in the Synthroid box? I call it the T4 box, the Synthroid box, because that's standard of care. You go, you go, okay, well, here's your prescription for Synthroid. Be on your way. See ya. Good luck. Mm-hmm. I said, if you had someone, if you put them on an antidepressant and that one didn't work, you give them another one. If that one didn't work, you give them another one. If that one doesn't work, you give them an antipsychotic and a sleeping pill on top of it. Mm-hmm. But someone has a thyroid problem and you give them one medication, why? The one doc raises his hand and goes, that's all we've learned. I'm like, well, I mean, thanks for the honesty, but still let's break out of that then because there's mm-hmm. so many different ways to help these people and you have to move beyond what you learned 10 years ago in med school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And I'm glad that you acknowledged at the start there, like, yeah, massive respect to these people that have been through so much study and education and, and the relentless pursuit of, of success in that field is absolutely savage. Um, But I think it gets, it becomes misguided when it's not about human health and it's more about status, prestige and career. Um, It's like, we've got to actually help people in the process here. (laughs) And, you know, that that opens up a whole can of worms in regards to why do people not question the systems that exist? Why do they blatantly just, you know, move into fields of study or, or you know, believe government advice? It's the same with nutrition, right? It's like right. We're, just like, we're just like, oh, obviously the government has our best interests at heart because they're the government. <laughs> That's <laughs> you know, another and, level, isn't it? <laughs> to- to- totally, totally. Um, so I guess thinking about people listening, right? So people have got potentially got thyroid issues or do have thyroid issues. Where do they start? Where, where, where do they begin on their journey of being like, how do I figure this out? So first start by tuning into your body. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer that your body gives you signs and signals and we have to listen to that. So tuning into your body and not blowing it off. So if you are gaining weight, if you can't lose weight, what you said in the very beginning, Maddie, if, if you're trying everything, you're doing all the right things, quote unquote, and the weight just isn't budging, 
you're fatigued, your hair is falling out, you're constipated. And I don't mean you have to have all of these symptoms. You could have one, you could have two, but that is your body giving you a sign that something isn't right. And if you really tune into your body, you know that something is off. We know when something's off in our body. So that's where you start the process. And in order to find out what those signs and symptoms are, we have to test. And it really is about, with with the thyroid specifically, it really is about getting thorough testing. Because what will happen, and I guarantee you, your listeners have already had this happen. They're going to be like, oh my gosh, yeah, that's me. You'll go into your doctor and you'll say, hey, I heard this talk about thyroid and I want to get my thyroid tested because turns out I have a couple of these symptoms. Doc, can you test my thyroid? And then you get back a test that is two tests, TSH and free T4. Mm -hmm. That's just the beginning. And I can deep dive into the test if you'd like to, but that's just the beginning. There are multiple other markers that we want to look at, free T3, reverse T3, the two thyroid antibodies to see if you have an autoimmune condition, multiple other markers that we have to look at to get that full picture. I mean, and then I'll trickle into hormones and insulin and the CBC and CMP and, and all of that. But let's, when we're talking your thyroid, it's more than what your doctor is going to test. I can promise you that. So you have to go in almost with a bulleted list of labs for them to test mm-hmm. and say, Hey doc, can you test these to test my thyroid? And there's, and there it comes back to the test of your doctor If they're like, oh, yeah, no, I'm not going to do this one because it's not necessary. And and we don't really need this one either. Thank you. We've found a new doctor. Simple as that. Yeah, totally. It's yeah the amount of times that people hear that, even with basic basic nutrients. um, You know, uh, I know here in Australia that if you do too many nutrition panels and um, it would be the same for the more complex thyroid panels that you get, they get monitored and they get a call from like the health authority to be like, Oh, we've noticed you've ordered too many of these. Um, And it's a very low number. So at least here in Australia, there is actually a concern for the doctor about being red flagged in the system for focusing too much on some of these um, types of tests. Oh, that's horrible. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so basically they're scared into like not ordering. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Hashtag tyranny. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So speaking of those tests, maybe we should dive in them, into them because a lot of people, or maybe we should just dive into the function because a lot of people hear T, TSH and T3 and T4, and, and maybe we should just get some clarity on what they mean, what's overactive, what's underactive, um, and just... So people can start sort of identifying from listening to this conversation, oh, maybe that might be me. No, definitely. Because it, as a, your own patient advocate, it's important to know what those tests do mean and where you yeah. should be. Because one thing you have to remember, even when you're looking at your own results, that standard lab value range, and I, I have patients and I'll show you, I have patients in the UK, I have patients all over the world. And mm-hmm. every lab value range might be different but they're all taken from a group of sick people. Meaning, mm-hmm. you're like, wait, what does that mean? No, meaning it's wide, it's vast. That, that lab value range is huge. Where functional medicine goes, we don't want to know where the sick people land. We want to know where these healthy people that are like kicking ass in life are. So that's mm-hmm. the optimal range. And that bullseye, that optimal range that's much more narrow, that's where we want you to be. So in addition to understanding the labs, I want you to know exactly where you should be. So TSH, we said earlier, it is thyroid stimulating hormone. This is a pituitary hormone. It's coming from your brain. It is not a thyroid hormone. Now, the one thing to know about thyroid stimulating hormone, it does, it acts like a feeler. So Mm -hmm. the higher that it gets in on that lab, the more it's telling your thyroid your thyroid isn't doing a good job. So, you know, when you're yelling at your kids and you might start off, you're like, Johnny, can you pick up your toys? And then he doesn't. Johnny, can you please pick up your toy? And your voice gets louder and you start yelling. Well, think of that as the TSH yelling at the thyroid gland to make more thyroid hormone. Mm-hmm. If that falls, if it's, if it's loud, if it's, if it's high, if it's screaming at us, then your doctor will go, hey, you know what? Uh, you might have something going on here. But if it's not screaming at us, we have to go deeper. 
I like TSH below a two, and that's pretty standard across all countries. Usually that TSH goes up to like a 4.5. It's been debated for decades, but I like that below a two or in the Mm -hmm. lower, lower part of the range. Mm -hmm. Then we move on to free T4 I mentioned earlier. Now, remember T4 is, just keep this in mind, is the inactive thyroid hormone, totally inactive. Now, every cell in your body needs thyroid hormone. I just called it the master gland. It's important for life. It, It runs the show but not with T4. T4 is inactive and it has to morph into and convert into T3. T3 is your active thyroid hormone. That's the powerhouse. That's what gets into the cell. That's what you have a receptor site on every single cell for is T3. Mm -hmm. So we want enough T3. I want that T3 in the upper quadrant of the range or maybe even over. Because there are people that do better with a little bit higher T3. These are usually your type A's, your crazy people like us that are doing 10,000 things. <laughs> right? So that, totally. that's T3. You need that. We need that to think. Your brain has receptor sites on it for T3. So that foggy fatigue, you can't remember anything. People think they have early onset Alzheimer's. That could be low T3. So we want to check mm. your free, unbound, ready to be picked up by your cell, thyroid hormone, T3. Mm -hmm. Then we want to check reverse T3. Reverse T3 is the gas. So if T3 is the brakes, if T3 is your gas, reverse T3, that's the brakes. That's your anti-thyroid hormone. Mm -hmm. Now here's what you'll get when you ask your doctor. You go, well, can you test reverse T3? Oh, I only do that in a clinical setting. Meaning if you're in the ICU, if you're in the ER, they're going to test your reverse T3. Well, hello, that is built into our body as a survival mechanism. It will go up if you're injured, if you're in trauma, if you have an infection, it's going to go up because our bodies are so darn smart. It knows that if you are fighting something and you're fighting for your life, you don't need to burn fat. You don't need to feel (laughs) good. You don't need to grow your hair. So reverse T3 goes up. But what if you're not in that clinical setting, quote unquote, what if yes. you're just you get shit done during the day? Like you're trying to run a business, you're taking the kids to school, you're cleaning the house, you got a bunch of errands, but your reverse T3 is high and your body literally thinks that you're laying in a hospital bed? No. So we want to know that number so we know the state of your conversion of T4 to T3. And then I want to check for Hashimoto's. So, oh, I'm sorry, rate, back to reverse T3, reverse T3 less than 12. And that is standard across the board almost in every single country, the range will go up to 24, 25. Mm-hmm. I want it in the bottom part of the range, that bottom, we could say half and less. So mm-hmm. the bottom half of the range. And then TPO and TGA are your, your antibodies. That's for Hashimoto's. That lets us know if you have Hashimoto's thyroiditis. I want them at zero. I can't tell you how many people I've seen Patients I've seen come in, they get their antibodies tested, and they're at uh, a 10, but the lab range is, oh, it's less than 20. Well, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. You still have 10 antibodies. You still have 10 soldiers that want to go out and beat your thyroid up on a daily basis until it's gone. Are you Mm going to wait until that crests 20, until you have 20 soldiers or 200 soldiers or 1,000 soldiers, and now you're 50 pounds heavier, bald and tired? That's when we're going to pay attention to it? No. Let's pay attention to it now and recognize the fact that you have a little bit of autoimmune going on and we might have to address that in in a variety of different ways. So those are the main thyroid tests and what they mean. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I think that'll be really like clarifying for a lot of people that are listening um, and at least knowing the direction they might need to look when it comes to collecting data and asking their doctors for different types of tests. As you were talking there and you're talking about some of those symptoms, um, what came to mind for me was that I've worked with so many people that no matter what we do, they're going to end up in the same situation if they don't deal with their stress. So I'm curious because you mentioned type A personalities and we we were talking before that we're both those kinds of people that are just go, 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 go. So I'm curious, like the stress, the cortisol, adrenaline, those types of things, how does that impact your thyroid? And is it a situation where unless you actually lower stress or, you know, you need to manage it better, you're just going to repeat the same problems? Probably. Yeah. So we know that stress causes disease. 
silent killer. I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's literally eroding our bodies on a day-to-day basis once we get it under control. The problem with stress and the thyroid is that when you are in that high stress state, that high cortisol state, that high adrenaline state, you're pumping out cortisol all the time. Now, eventually in the long run, it's just going to crap the bed and you're going to be low cortisol. But in that high stress time for quite a while, you're pumping out all that cortisol and that high cortisol will raise your brakes, reverse T3. So now that high cortisol raises reverse T3. So now you have an impairment of T4 to T3 conversion and that T reverse T3. I also want you to think of it like a bouncer outside of the club. Mm-hmm. And if your reverse T3 is high, it is outside of your cell going, uh, oh yeah, T3, I see you in line. You're not getting in. You're not getting in either. It is not <laughs> allowing T3 into the cell to do its job. Mm-hmm. And that literally can come down. It can all circle back to stress. It can all be because you're pumping out cortisol all day long. Now, let's also remember cortisol, high cortisol will increase our blood sugars. And in turn, we see insulin resistance left and right with thyroid problems. So if you're high stressed, you're pumping out cortisol, you're going to raise your blood glucose, you're going to raise your insulin. That's also inflammatory. Those high glucose numbers all day long, not good, not good for the thyroid, not good for you, not good for fat loss by any means. Mm -hmm. So now that high insulin is also pushing up reverse T3. So now you have two things pushing up reverse T3. You got a bunch of bouncers outside of the club, not letting T3 in at all. I mean, you are just literally, that's like a triple whammy for weight gain. You're not going to lose a pound. If you're all stressed out, your insulin's high and and your reverse T3 is high. Not going to happen. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Totally. Yeah, you're definitely going to be stuck in that situation. And it's interesting too because I think when... Um, people go on these health journeys or weight loss journeys like we've got to get out of this single dimension thinking which is like food equals body fat and yes. then stress equals frustration and like these like these these single channels in each direction and it's it's really like frustrating for people to be like I'm doing all the right things and it's not working and it's like it's really hard to say to a type A personality it's stress and actually you need to do less and I know you've got three or four kids and like It's going to take a while to figure out how to create an environment for yourself where you do create some self-care. And that might take you a few months or six months or you might rebel against that for the next five years. And and like you said, end up in a situation where you do have Hashimoto's and you you are losing your hair and all of these things are happening. Yeah, I have a saying, both and. I always say both and. We have to do both and, both and. So Mm -hmm. that means I, I want to look at your thyroid. I want to optimize that. I want to look at your hormones. I want to optimize that too. And at the same time, we have to be working on lifestyle. We have to lower your stress. We have to fix, we have to clean up your diet, you know, tailor that to what is going on with you. Okay. If you're insulin resistant, we might have to take out some carbs and lower that and get the rid of the processed food. I can throw thyroid treatment at you all day long, but if you're 
wigged out, stressed out, not sleeping and eating McDonald's, it's not going to matter. Is that whole, you you have to do it all. Even if it's chipping away, like you said, one thing at a time, you have to do it all to get that ultimate result. Yeah. Which is obviously frustrating for every type A personality that has to slow down. (laughs) We want it yesterday. We want results yesterday and we're not going to stop. So (laughs) (laughs) Totally. It's exactly like that. (laughs) So I think that's really good that you you connected um, the insulin, cortisol and thyroid hormone there because like when it comes to insulin, that obviously leads us to a conversation about diet and nutrition and sugar and carbohydrates. Having said that, I know that many uh, people with thyroid issues do benefit from carbohydrates in the diet. So when it comes to a, from a nutritional standpoint, where do you stand or what's your position on uh, carbs and insulin and blood sugar versus the micronutrients that you do get from those? And, and how do you navigate that space to figure out what somebody would need in their diet to nurture a healing process through, through thyroid issues? So... Uh- low carb, I want to say keto, low carb and thyroid gets a really bad rap. And I'm going to be talking about this at KetoCon this year because it's important to dispel the myth. If you do, if you are, I mean, and this can happen with type A people, if you're crazy and you're locked down and you're like, I'm going to do low carb because I heard it was great. And I'm going to go 20 grams or less every single day for the next year. And you never Mm -hmm. break it and you never put a carb in your diet and you're just completely obsessed with low carb eating. Yeah, that's going to affect your thyroid function for sure. It's probably going to start affecting some other things too, but it's going to affect your thyroid function. Mm-hmm. I am a huge fan of cycling. I see nothing wrong with low carb eating. There's huge benefits, whether it's in the cancer space, Alzheimer's, thyroid, obesity, type two diabetes, dot, dot, dot. There's a ton of research out there that shows that when you lower insulin, you improve the body, you take down inflammation but we can lower insulin without going crazy. And we can come, we can bring carbohydrates in and literally kind of come up out of that low carb state a couple times a week. And that's enough variation to allow your body to decrease the inflammation, tap into your own fat stores for fuel, but not shut down T3 production, not shut down thyroid function at the same time. I have some people that are very, very sensitive to, low carb eating, they can't even, they, they won't sleep unless they have some carbs. So I go, okay, well, we can go low carb through the day. We mm. can even do less than 20 carbs during the day and your body will tap into its fat stores and your body will, will get the benefits of lowered inflammation. Absolutely. But then yeah. we can bring the carbs up at night and guess what? You sleep better. And you didn't blow it. Your body was in fat burning mode all day long, all day long, all day long. You just need like half a banana or a sweet potato or like, mm-hmm. I don't know, some dark chocolate. Yay. At night to really bring those carbs up right before you go to bed. And now you sleep deeper. We can personalize it to a T really to exactly what the person yeah. is. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And actually that's really in, in line with the way that I navigate things because I think when it comes to low carb, like you say, it gets a bad rap for women, for menstrual cycles, for thyroid hormone. And if you actually know how to do it properly, um, there's, a, there's a time in the, in the month to support more carbohydrates and support hormones. Um, and there's a time where you can actually, yeah, push it a little bit and, and, and push deeper into that fat burning and that lowering of inflammation or autophagy benefits of maybe a little bit longer intermittent fasting. But yeah, I think you're right. It it really does get a bad rap um, in the sense that I think the other thing is too that, and this might be what you see, is that people hear low carb and they just end up making it no carb. Um, And it's like, no, low is not no. And if it is no, now we're keto. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're keto or carnivore for sure. Yeah, definitely. And that's the thing. You can do low carb and, and like you said, get the benefits of, of autophagy. You can lower your insulin. You can lower your A1C, lower your fasting glucose, lose weight without being in the tank all the time. And, yeah. and, and I think a lot of people do. I don't know about you, but when I say keto, I get deer in headlights. Like, wait, wait, what? So low carb. <laughs> we can do low carb and not go crazy on the bad fats. That's, that's called dirty. So, you know, we're not saying, okay, go low carb and go ahead and eat a pound of bacon every day and have the pork rinds Mm -hmm. and have the cheese. And 
Like, no, let's focus on the good fats because those good fats have so many nutrients and they help your cholesterol levels and they help your hormone levels. Those good fats do amazing things in your body. So let's focus on the good fats and let's focus on that protein because guess what? The protein builds your muscle and, totally. and women are notorious for low protein, as I'm sure you know. Oh, so, yeah, totally. Especially the amount of vegan vegetarian diets they've been on to try and lose weight. Like, yeah, it's almost like yeah. there's this, you know, protein meat fear, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And then old, old advice, you know, from, I don't know, when it was in 1970, when they were like, meat's bad. Don't yeah. eat meat. And then they were like, oops, wait a minute. We were wrong. So, you know, there's, there's past bad information too. Um, I think there's, a, there's too many like Instagram before and afters, fad diets out there, you know, like yeah. people going, well, I'm doing the, you know, lose your weight, baby mama diet. And it's like, that's just another fad. Like it, it's, let's, let's eat to, for your lifetime. Let's figure yeah. out what you need to do to eat for the long run, not for a quick fix in four weeks. Well, and particularly for women acknowledging that, you know, being cyclical is in alignment with your body. Your body is, you know, cyclical hormonally on a monthly mm-hmm. basis for, you know, what a third to two thirds of your life. And so if we're not cyclical about the way we engage with nutrition, there's going to be a clash, right? Going to be a clash. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We have to cycle everything. I mean, nothing is, yeah. is stagnant. You're not going to do one thing for the rest of your life and call it a day. Our bodies are always changing. I mean, I'll even have patients that say, well, two years ago, somebody told me, I'm like, you're a different body than you were two years ago. And what worked two years ago might not work now. I used to compete. And I got to tell you, the diet that got me on stage and I was ripped and I was muscular and Mm -hmm. didn't work the next time. Like my body is always, your body is always shifting and changing. Yeah, totally. And I guess as well, like, is to not, um, for men or male PTs, there's so many PTs out there that are just like, calorie deficit, bro, you know, and and that has harmed so many women's metabolism and thyroids, right? So many. Like, we're literally unbrainwashing them from calorie counting and low-calorie diets. It, it, I mean, it's it, it can take a while. It can take a while to get them out of that, like, oh, but what do you mean I have to eat more? I'll gain weight. I'm like, oh, no, you really won't. You're going to help your thyroid. You're going to help your hormones too. So, yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and yeah, you're so right. It's like, yeah, sort of that brainwashing. It's been going on for so long. And even now, like, you know, I have friends even that are in the fitness space that that always like, doesn't matter what diet you're on, it's all about calorie deficit. and um, And it's just like, it's like they don't see the damage they're doing. So it's like, it's not like their message is, you know, per se wrong. It's just like telling people that is like basically telling people that if you drive a car, you're going to crash. It's like, well, no, it's pretty unlikely. Crashes happen in cars, but causation and correlation, right? Exactly. Yeah. One does not equal the other. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So now that drives me nuts. Those personal trainers that are banging on about that. Um, Cause I guess, yeah, with my clients, I'm, I'm, yeah, working on helping people let go of calorie counting and tracking and entering every piece of food because at the end yeah. of the day, it's like, do you want happiness or do you want obsession? Yeah. Oh, and obsession can 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 develop so easily and so quickly. I, I, I'm like yeah. you. I do not like people to track because if you see it, if you really are focusing on those good fats, mm-hmm. guess what? Fats have more calories. So if you see it on paper how many calories you're actually eating. Oh my gosh, you might freak out. And I try to use the example. Listen, I could give you 1200 calories of Oreo cookies and pizza. I could give you 3000 calories of grass fed meat and avocados and olive oil and good veggies. And you're going to gain weight on the 1200 calories of Oreo cookies and pizza. You're going to lose weight on the 3000 calories because of what the food does in your body. Whether we're talking insulin, whether we're talking hormonal response, whether we're talking leaky gut, whether we're talking thyroid, it's all what that food is going to do once it enters your system and what kind of chemical reaction and hormonal response are you going to get to that food? That's what matters. 
Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. And yeah, that, that goes along with that second to that calorie counting idea is that eating more food is going to help me lose weight. And that's such a paradigm shift for people to adapt to because it's always, again, it's back to that single dimension thinking of like what goes in comes out kind of thing. And it's like the human body is so complex and those calories and that energy gets distributed in all sorts of places. And if you put the right fuel in, um, it won't just go to your body fat. (laughs) It'll get used in all sorts of different ways that are really helpful for you. Exactly. Exactly. So um, when I was checking out some of your stuff before we jumped on here, I found you passionately talking about iodine Um, And I'm wondering if we can go into that space because obviously a lot of people that are probably at this point of the conversation hearing us chat, you know, uh, either know they've got some thyroid stuff going on or want want to know how to start solving it. And I noticed that, yeah, you talked a lot about iodine and, and I know we talk about that in the diet for people with thyroid issues. So what should people know about iodine? Oh, iodine, so debated, so debated. You will say, if you look up, Iodine, you will literally find 50%. Now I'm just talking like functional, integrative, like people that think like us. 50% will be no, 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 you don't use iodine, especially with Hashimoto's. 50% will be yes. So I am in the yes category. And I base this on science. The body needs iodine. Every single cell in your body needs iodine. The thyroid gland needs iodine to convert T4 to T3. Mm-hmm. There have been numerous studies once you start diving into it. And Dr. David Brownstein, he's brilliant. He is he is absolutely brilliant. Written many books, co-written many books. He goes into what he saw in his practice. He saw a ton of thyroid conditions coming in. And he was up in Michigan, the goiter belt, right right by where I'm at too, right? In Pennsylvania, we're, we're in the goiter belt. The goiter belt, as in like goiters, like actual goiters, goiter belt. Yeah. Wow, the, yeah. Mass amounts of thyroid disease up here. Mass amounts so he was seeing all these thyroid patients in his practice. And he's like, listen, I give him thyroid medication, not a big deal. I have no problem doing that. But I started questioning why. Mm-hmm. Why do all these patients have thyroid conditions? And he starts looking into it. And it's a lack of iodine, iodine deficiency, iodine deficiency, iodine deficiency. So he starts using iodine in his practice. People are getting off their thyroid medication. Breast cancer is responding. I mean, like... Things are going away. Things are getting cured. Hair's growing again and not falling out. So he's seeing all these beneficial effects of iodine. Mm-hmm. And, and he writes about it and he studies it. So that it passes it on to us. So if you look at his work and if you really dig into the studies on iodine, it's imperative. I don't withhold that from patients. I encourage it. Now, you also have two schools of thought of zero to high the high, the high iodine dosing is, again, most likely what gave iodine the bad rap in the first place. Right. Some people will go into a thyroid storm. They can go hyper. They mm-hmm. can go hyper and then drop into hypo. It can aggravate Hashimoto's. But those are really, really high doses. I believe that there is a really nice in-between. There's a mm-hmm. nice in-between where we can give the body iodine. We can help with nodules, because nodules are nine times out of 10, or not goiters, nodules are low iodine, high reverse T3 can be low mm-hmm. iodine. And then even some of the symptoms caused by Hashimoto's hypothyroidism, when a patient, let's say they're on a decent amount of thyroid hormone replacement therapy, numbers are looking good, they're still suffering with symptoms. And you give them that little bit of iodine, it's like the thyroid gland kind of goes, oh, okay, I can kind of work better. I can convert better now, just a little bit better than I did before. So you can even see symptom improvement with that as long as you don't go overboard. So I am a huge fan of iodine. We also have to remember that on the periodic table, it's a halogen and it will bind to the other toxic halogens to the thyroid, fluoride, bromine, bromide, chlorine, chloride, it will bind to those and excrete them out of their body. And many of us are actually bromide toxic. If you have furniture and carpet, chances are, and you drank a Mountain Dew in your life, chances are you're bromide toxic. How Is that due to flame retardant? The flame retardants. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Dry cleaning, clothes, furniture, pillows, sheet. I mean, just it's in everything. Yeah, right. So chances are you're bromide toxic. Chances are you're fluoride toxic, unless you cut out that fluoride toothpaste, like we all tell you to. But yeah. how many 
I mean, as kids, we got fluoride treatments. We did the little pink pill that was in our mouth and like turned everything pink and it tasted good. So we thought it was cool. Oh, totally. Yeah. And tap water, right? And water. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And chlorine's in your water too. Sometimes you can smell it if you're in one of the cities that dump too much in it. Yeah. That's why I have a water filter that specifically pulls out fluoride and chloride. (laughs) You have to. You absolutely have to these days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. iodine is great. I mean, it, it's fantastic for your immune system. It's a great detoxifier. So if you haven't guessed, I'm a fan. <laughs> well, I, I'm a fan too, but I'm really curious because you said there's two schools of thought. Like what is the other school of thought then? Like what is the thought that iodine is not useful? What? Why do they think that way? You know, I've only kind of, I, I mean, I have looked at it and heard um, mm-hmm. some of the 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 authors of those low iodine diet low iodine books speak and i and again i totally respect them but i'm just more based in science so their argument is i th- again i i really do believe it's based on practitioners using too much and getting negative results right is that if you give iodine to a hashimoto patient it's going to flare them. It's going to cause a, a flare of the autoimmune, a flare of the Hashi. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, it, it'll push them up into hyper. I mean, so I use iodine drops. Yeah. And there was one time, and this is just like a month or so ago. I, yeah. you know, you're trying to drop it and then it goes squirt and you go, Oh, I just put too much in. Well, I'm like, eh, anyways, I'll take it. Well, that day I did feel hyper. Like I felt like I had too many cups of coffee it went away right. by the next day. You take vitamin C, you do some salt loading protocol, salt water. It's out mm-hmm. of your system. It's not a big deal. But I can see if someone did that day after day and wasn't in tune with their body, those little changes, that right. you could easily, easily push them into a hyper state. Yeah, for sure. And they could swing down hypo again. So I believe that that is the argument, but I can't speak 100%. I've looked at their, their argument and I kind of went, mm, yeah, but that's... That's using extremes and and you're missing out on the basic science of the thyroid gland and conversion. And yeah, that makes sense to me. And um, I'm curious too, nutrition. So when you say iodine drops, do you also sort of add in or advise people to be putting in, you know, the seaweed, uh, tuna, eggs, you know, that kind of beans, bananas, green beans, green peas, that those kinds of foods? I don't tell them to stay away from them. So yeah, I okay. don't specifically say focus on that because I would rather use the the liquid iodine so we can dose it every single yeah. day and kind of know a roundabout um, dosing of what kind of how much iodine they're getting. Whereas yeah, if they right. start doing you know the seaweed zone and they're doing a bunch of a and they're doing all those iodine containing foods, then it might push them up too high and then we go oh wait is that dose of iodine we have you on too much that you're going that right. way? I just say let those foods fall in if you want to go to a japanese restaurant and get the seaweed salad have at it you love sushi so do i let's go you know but but i'm yeah. not going to tell them to focus on putting that in yeah right so that you can just control or mostly control for the amount of iodine going into the system yes yeah okay. awesome um, Amy, I feel like we could talk forever, but um, we should just book in another another podcast interview. But where can everyone find you online? For everyone that is like, I'm loving Amy, I need more of this, where can they find you? So I do a ton of teaching on my podcast, the Thyroid Fixer podcast. Mm-hmm. And we have two episodes per week. There's a ton of great information on there, great guests. I have to have Maddie on for sure. Let's um, do and it. Then, I, I would love that. We, this is so much fun. So we have to map that out. They can go to my website, dramyhorneman.com. If you are interested in learning more about how I work one-on-one with patients, you can book mm-hmm. a free discovery call. We go over everything, what that looks like. Even if you need prescriptions, we got you covered. So you can do that as well. And then all of the social channels on IG, I'm Dr. Amy Horneman, Facebook, Dr. Amy Horneman, um, YouTube, Dr. Amy Horneman. So you can find me <laughs> everywhere. Find me everywhere. Well, uh, as usually is the case, all of your uh, handles and links and everything will be down in the show notes below for everybody. And if you've enjoyed this episode or know somebody that needs to hear Amy's wisdom, please share this episode with your friend or family member or put us onto social media and tag us both too. We'd love to see who is listening to the show. Um, And Amy, before we go, from your entire journey and everything that you've learned, what is one piece of health information that you wish more people knew about? 
Oh, wow. That's a really good one. So, um, not so much. Well, okay. Two. Can I get two? I have two. Yeah. So we didn't talk that much about hormones, but don't be scared of hormones. So when I say hormone replacement therapy, whether it's thyroid hormone replacement therapy, sex hormone replacement therapy, you do not be scared of hormones because we are replacing hormones that are no longer being made by your body. So if you do have a thyroid condition and we're working together and we see that you need a little bit of that powerful T3 we can use that. And, and it's not like the goal to be completely off thyroid medication if it gives you your life back. So don't be scared of that. When it's used mm-hmm. properly, the right dose to optimize you, you as an individual, then that is key. That is a powerful tool that we have. So don't be fearful of that. Number two would be to have hope and don't stop. So I was misdiagnosed six times. What if I would have stopped at doctor number four? What if I would have stopped the doctor on number five and just thought, oh, well, you know, they keep saying that I'm normal and I'm just getting older and learn to live with it, eat less, exercise more. No, do not stop. You have to have that hope to pull you through to that next answer. And you do not stop until someone sits down with you, cares about you, listens to you, asks you four very important words. How do you feel? Because you're more than a lab value. And, and you just keep going until you find that one person that has the answers because there are answers out there. Amazing. Thanks, Amy. I really appreciate you imparting your wisdom on me and all of the listeners today. I think you're amazing and I'd love to have you back. But thank you so much. Thanks, Maddie. I love being here. No worries. We'll catch you really soon. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use. And we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.